What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Wanted to pop in and give a quick little heads up that this episode may have an extra level of sensitivity and maybe a tad controversial. This episode is related to termination due to medical reasons. Therefore, if this episode is not going to be your jam, go ahead, click off right now. There are plenty more episodes that are going to be completely relatable to you. Remember, we are all about love, not hate, and everybody's story has a right to be heard. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We have Summer Grimes on the episode today. I'm so excited to hear her story. Her and I are Instagram friends. I believe, Summer, you listened to the podcast, right? And you reached out and you were like... Yeah, yes. So after my miscarriage, I was looking for some kind of outlet, you know, to help with my grieving. And I stumbled, like, I don't even know how I found it. Um, I found the podcast and... I started listening to them and I reached out and it just helped so much. So I'm excited to get to share my story. I'm excited too, because that's exactly what I wanted out of this podcast is I want it to be story medicine, but I also want it to be a platform for anybody to heal in the sense of sharing too. Um, So that's what you're here to do. And I just want you to jump right in. Okay. So my boyfriend and I started dating in 2015 and we were young like 20 I think because I'm 24 now so we didn't obviously start trying for a while and about halfway through 2016 we decided to start trying and so you know we we were trying and nothing was happening so I think in like August or so, we decided to go to a fertility specialist to see what was going on. So we met our doctor and we found out that Zach can't have kids. So we we went to see a specialist to see, you know, maybe he can get a procedure done and there might be something there. Um, but we decided not to because there was only about a 20% chance that they would find anything anyways. So we took a lot of time with each other and, you know, thought about, okay, do we want to get a donor? Do we want to adopt? Do, what do we want to do? So we decided to get a donor. So we went through our fertility specialist and the sperm bank that we used helped us find a donor that basically not looked like Zach, but had his you know, physical attributes. Like we looked for blonde hair. We looked for um, hazel or green or blue eyes. We looked for tall because Zach is like a tree. So I, that needed to be in there for me, (laughs) but we finally found one. um, And then we started all of our medicine in December of 2018. And so it took us a long time to get to the point of actually doing it but um it was really quick after we started it 
And in January of this year, we did our retrieval um, and we, we did our transfer. And so after that horrible two week wait, we finally got to do our pregnancy test and we found out we were having twins, which for me, I only wanted one. So it was like, oh my God, we're having twins. What are we going to do? And the whole time Zach was saying, I want twins. Oh yeah, I want twins. And then we went for our ultrasound and there were two babies and I said, oh, well you got what you wanted. And he was like, oh my God, I was just kidding. So (laughs) the panic set in. Yeah. Yeah. And so we worked, um, through that panic for a few weeks and we went back and our fertility specialist actually said, well, one of the babies doesn't quite look like it's supposed to. It looks like it's growing slow. So we actually had to go like every single week. We drove like two hours to the doctor in Indianapolis to check on that baby. And at like eight weeks or right around eight weeks, I'd say we went to a specialist um, and they said that our baby B had body wall disruption. So basically it just wasn't growing from about the belly button down. It wasn't growing. So they like toyed around with it for what seemed like years in my head because, you know, here I am sitting thinking, oh my gosh. I didn't want twins. Now I've finally like accepted that we're having twins and fallen and... in love with yes, them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had finally bought like our first outfits for the twins and I was so excited and then we got this news. So after about 3 to 4 weeks of basically them just like going back and forth like we don't know you know, maybe it's growing from the belly button down or maybe it's growing from the chest down. Um, We had to make a decision um, because they said that the baby probably wouldn't make it till birth. So Zach and I, we took about a week because they told us that we needed to get it done rather quickly, depending on what our decision was. So we talked about it. You know, they told us we could do the reduction, which... I didn't know what that meant because, you know, I, I have never gone through this. So I have honestly never heard it until you just told me about it. So basically they, it's super painful actually. That's, that's not the big point, but it's really painful, but they take a needle and they, they go through your belly. They just numb the skin and, and they actually put in, um, an injection into the baby's heart to make it stop beating. So when they told us that, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. No way. And we talked about it and it was really hard to make the decision because, you know, so many people are judgy. And even if you haven't been in this spot, you think, well, that's wrong, you know? So, We found out the closest doctor was in New York and you had to pay $5,000 at the time of surgery, which for us just wasn't feasible. So we decided not to do it. We said, you know what, whatever happens, happens. If the baby's supposed to live, it'll live. And um, 
about could it have affected like did they give you any information could it have affected the other twin in they, any way they said that it could potentially cause risks um they said if baby b so his name was mason so um if mason's sack busted his amniotic fluid could go into liam which is baby a it could go into Liam's sack and it could potentially cause some risks. But they said that it was about 5%. So it was super low. So Mm -hmm. they said, you know, it probably won't do anything. So then we had it in our heads. Okay, we're not doing this. You know, we're going to go through the rest of the pregnancy with both babies. And at 14 weeks, we met our OB for the first time, finally got released from our fertility clinic And she said, you know, there's a doctor in Indianapolis that'll do this. So there it was again slapped in my face. Maybe we should do this, you know. Um, So I went home and I talked to Zach and I said, you know, this is the hardest decision that we've ever had to make. But there there are some things that we need to think about. You know, is it fair to make this baby keep living if it's not going to have a lie? You Mm -hmm. know? To just, like, hold on to it for your own... Yeah. I for your own like, love, yeah. basically. If that's yeah. like, I don't really yeah. know how to explain it, but, yes. So I felt very selfish, you know, holding on to a baby that wasn't going to live. So, long story short, we went to a specialist. Um, they checked, like, they did, like, this crazy two-hour-long ultrasound, and they found out that Mason didn't have kidneys, so more than likely, if he did make it to birth, then he wouldn't live long. So they they basically gave us three decisions. They said, you can do the reduction, you know, take care of it right now, um, or you can keep going, and he may die before you give birth, or if he makes it to birth, then we can give you hospice care. And it really, it really wasn't a question in my mind at that point because, I mean, how selfish would it be to make my newborn baby have hospice care, you know? And the other point is, do I want to potentially carry a dead baby for, you know, 37 to 40 weeks? But with the risks that something could happen to Liam, we decided to do the reduction, so... Um, Tuesday, let's see, they were born on April 18th, so Wednesday was the 17th, so, okay, so Tuesday, I don't know dates, my brain has been jumbled (laughs) since this all happened. So the Tuesday, um, we gave birth to them on Thursday, so Tuesday we went for the reduction. It took a while, and it was super painful um but I felt like I was making the right choice because I felt like making this baby grow when it wasn't gonna have a life was very selfish so the reduction was successful they were able to stop his heart you know everything looked good with baby a um and then Wednesday I went to work and I worked all day and like I felt like I was kind of like leaking so I called the specialist that did the reduction and I said, Hey, I'm not bleeding, but I'm leaking. And I don't know what it is because they told us that we shouldn't leak. We shouldn't bleed like nothing like that should happen. Um, so they told me to go to the hospital and get checked out. 
and I was cramping a little bit, which they said could happen because, you know, of the procedure that we had just had done. So I went to the hospital. They did an ultrasound. Liam looked great. He, his sack looked good. Everything looked good. Um, they said what was probably happening was just amniotic fluid from baby B's sack. So, so do you actually, like when you do a reduction, do you expel, like, do you deliver that baby? Like, does it come out like a normal miscarriage or does it, um, does your body like absorb it or what, like what happens? Um, they said, so they like to do it between like 12 and 14 weeks. And I was 15, almost 15 and a half weeks when I got mine done. So they said that since the baby was so small, all of the fluids and everything my body would absorb. And if there was anything left, then we would deliver like remnants of the baby, but really there wouldn't be anything left. Okay. So they said basically my body would take care of it. So I was, you know, that part made me a little bit sad, but it was, it was just a lot. But um, I was actually getting released from the hospital and I finally was able to go use the bathroom after they did the ultrasound and my water broke. But at the time, I didn't know what it was. You know, mm-hmm. this was the first time that I had been pregnant. So I just felt a pop and I was like, oh, my gosh, something's not right. So then the doctors did an ultrasound and baby A, Liam's sack had ruptured and he was going toward the birth canal. So the doctor came in and said, you're going to lose both babies. So at that point... I I always, like, somehow become the strong person. Like, you know, I feel like I need to be strong for everyone else. So I started calling people and letting them know what was going on, that we were being transferred to Union to deliver the babies. Um, So then we went up there and we delivered them at 1212 and 1229. So I got to actually deliver them and um we got to hold them and spend some time with them so that was really hard because like I didn't know if I wanted to do that or not Mm -hmm. um but Zach was really the reason that I did because he wanted to do it so we spent time with them um and then we got released the next day and we went home and we decided to have them cremated so that we could have their ashes with us. So, um, the first couple of days I didn't really want to talk to anybody. I didn't want anybody like bothering me. You know, I was just trying to wrap my head around everything that happened and I think that the worst thing that somebody can do to somebody after they lose a baby is say, well, you can try again. And that actually happened. Um, the doctor that did our reduction called me the day that I got home, which was Friday, and said, well, you know, you can try again rather quickly. And there's no reason that you couldn't get pregnant. And 
Zach got, he had to go back to work. So, you know, I was by myself. And when he came home, I told him what happened. And I was like, how could somebody say that so quickly after this just happened? So, you know, I I thought in my head, okay, that's not right. But, you know, they didn't say it out of, like, you know, meanness or anything like that. People are just trying to be supportive. So... I just tried to put it out of my head, tried to, you know, find something to help me get through the the grief that I felt and the the anger that I felt because I didn't know why I had gone into labor. I had a really healthy pregnancy. Um, everything looked good with baby A. Yes, baby B had issues, but still, like, our pregnancy was great. So I was really angry with myself. Because I thought in my head, oh my gosh, you know, the reduction, so when you do the reduction, it can, there's less than a 5% chance, but it can cause a miscarriage for another healthy baby that you carry. So immediately in my head, I thought, okay, well, we just did the reduction, and then the next day I went into labor. It has to be connected. Like something has, you know, that has to be why we just went through this. And so I called my fertility specialist and I was super angry and upset and I wasn't giving myself time to grieve because I am not one of those people that can just sit and, you know, grieve the right way. I I need to move on. Like I need to, to go on with my life. And so I called and I said, I think this was connected. I think that you know, I lost my babies because I made this selfish decision to go ahead and do this. And I think it's my fault. So they told me, no, it's not your fault. And I was like, you know, shut, shut up. Like, shut the hell up. You know, this is my fault. I did this. And it took me, honestly, about three, four weeks, I'd say, to finally come to the realization that it wasn't my fault. You know, if If the reduction had been the reason that we lost both babies, it wasn't my fault. You know, I made the decision that I thought was right at the time. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't go back and change it. So I needed to stop saying it was my fault. But we did find out that I actually have an incompetent cervix. So it wasn't the reduction. And I found that out about three weeks after we had the boys. So, How did you feel getting that news? Was it, was it in a way like relief, but yet like not like, I feel like that's got to be a really weird feeling. It was like when they told me, you know, I felt so much relief because I had been blaming myself for losing my children. And when they told me that it was my cervix, like... I was angry because I was like, okay, my body can't do what it's supposed to do. But then at the same time, I felt so much relief because I had been blaming myself. And that really, like, really helped me accept the fact that it it wasn't my fault. Like, there was nothing that could have, like, changed it. It was, it it was supposed to happen and it happened. Which, that's my mindset. If something's supposed to happen, then it's going to happen. So after we found that out, it was, it was, it was a relief, but at the same time I was like, okay, well, what's our next step? Um, 
But during those, I took three weeks off of work because, you know, like I said, I don't like to sit and do nothing. Like I need to move on and, and do things with my life. So that was by far the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life losing my kids after I felt like we tried so hard to get pregnant you know we had to jump through so many hoops and here we are but the pe- the amount of people that reached out to me afterwards and wanted to do things for us like it was unimaginable like I live in a super small town like teeny tiny so, you know, I know everyone in this town and people that I wouldn't even think about reaching out to me reached out. And I actually found a girl in my hometown, which I, I knew about everything that she had been through, but um, I didn't expect her to reach out to me. And she sent me a book. Um, I don't remember the name of it right now because, you know everything's going through my head, but, um, it was a book that basically said, um, you know, please don't cry. I'm okay. Like the baby talking to the mom. Um, and that book really helped me, um, through those first couple of weeks, especially because I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it and telling myself, don't cry, you know, but, when I first came home from the hospital, all these people reaching out to me, I was like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, you don't know what I just went through. You don't know the right things to say. So just don't say anything. Um, and then I started about five days after I had been home, I started actually going through the messages. And it was crazy to see how many people had actually been through this. Like, they had lost children. So, um, it really helped, you know, talking to them. And I found, I found the podcast, which have been literally a godsend. Like I told you whenever I was messaging you on Instagram, like it saved my mentality, like listening to them just helped so much more than I thought that it would. And I actually reached out to, um, some of the ladies from the podcast and, you know, I talked to one of them and, we talked and talked and she just, it was so nice to be able to actually talk to someone, you know, that didn't know me, didn't know my story, you know, didn't have to talk to me, but she did. She took time out of her day to talk to me. And it was so nice to be able to talk to someone who I didn't have to feel like would judge me because I didn't know them. They weren't from around here, you know, kind of nice to talk to strangers. Yes, it, about it this, was. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So after I started listening to the podcast, I was like, you know what, it's gonna be okay, you know. And I like one hundred percent believe talking to people that have gone through this is what brought me out of the anger and the depression and the grieving and everything negative that I felt, they really, really helped me because, you know, they had been through it. They know what to say and what not to say. And 
I feel bad saying this, but they understand a little bit better than someone that's not been through this. Mm-hmm. And so I made the decision, you know, after I found the podcast, I was like, you know what? I'm going to send her a message. I want to share my story and try to help someone. I want them to feel like they're not alone because that's how I felt. Can you give back what you got out of it? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Because I felt so alone. And I don't want anyone to feel like that. So I started writing down all these notes and I was telling myself, okay, you know, you need to be 100% real. You need to really tell everyone what happened, which was hard for me because I live in a small town and, you know, everyone judges everyone else. Everyone knows everybody's business and I don't like that. So I usually, you know, keep the private stuff private, but I want you know, to be able to help even just one lady, you know, let her know you're not alone. Some of the hardest decisions that I had to make in my entire life happened during this pregnancy. And I just, I don't know, like, it's so hard to grasp the idea of losing a child until you actually go through it. Mm hmm. And you don't really understand, you know, you keep saying, like, oh, it'll be okay. You can try again. Blah, blah, blah. But once you go through it, you know, you just, like, you find your tribe of people who help you. You find those people that give you light and motivation and make you want to continue with your life. Mm -hmm. And I found so many of those people through the podcasts. And I found some of them through my hometown and just you know, strangers that I met through groups on the internet. Like, it's so crazy how many people have actually been through this and you have no idea, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just been... And more people will go through it and you'll be able to be that person. Yeah. and For them. If we're looking for, like, a grateful... You know what I mean? Like, that's something that I always think about. I'm like, I... I was one of those people that was probably mm-hmm. like, well, you can try again. Or, um, you know, saying the wrong things when you're really yeah. trying to just be helpful. And then when you go through it, I feel like you're – what I'm grateful for is that I'm able to be there for people who are also going through it now. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. You know, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. Yeah. And I'm sad that it happened to me, but – you know, maybe it happened so that I could help other people. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I, you know, that's what I look. When I think about it, I just, you know, I say, okay, yeah, it sucked that it happened. Mm-hmm. And it was the hardest thing. But think about how many people that I can help. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've gone through it. So. And there's so much healing in that mindset. Yeah. Like, find your purpose behind it all. Yeah, it's really, really helped me, I know, just because I can give myself, like, motivation to keep going. Like, yeah, if you don't keep going, you can't help anybody. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to feel alone. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be scared to reach out to people because I was. I was one of those people that I don't like to bother people. So I said, no, I'm not going to reach out to anybody. Like, I don't need to reach out to anyone. It's fine. I can do this myself. And then I couldn't. 
you can't do this by yourself, you know. And honestly, reaching out, like you reaching out to me helps me too. Like Mm -hmm. finding that one extra person that gets it, Yeah, you know, like it. So I want everybody to not be scared of that because it's like you're not ever bothering somebody else who's gone through it. Yeah. You know, like you're actually helping them mm-hmm. by reaching out and sharing your story and being able to connect in that way because you're making them feel less alone too. Yeah. And you like, I was, I don't know, I was so scared to reach out to anybody. And then I did. And I immediately felt so loved. Like, it's so weird to say that because you don't know these people. Like, yeah, strangers on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But they just send, so much love like you sent so much love and you know all the good feelings they send them and they understand and you understand so I don't want anybody to think oh my gosh I can't reach out to anybody else because I don't want to bother anybody it doesn't matter if you think that you bother anyone if they don't you know if they don't answer they don't answer but nine times out of ten they're going to and they're gonna feel so much better that you reached out to them because they get to help you. They get to share their story with you and they get to, you know, feel purpose, which is one of the biggest things for me right now, because, you know, it's still so fresh in my life and, you know, just recently happened, but I feel so much purpose whenever I think about helping other people. Mm -hmm. So I, I want others to feel that I want them to be able to have something positive to look forward to because it's such a dark time after it happens and I don't want them to get stuck there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so lonely. Like I think no matter what we feel loneliness when we're going through it, but it, yeah. It, and even reaching out to people, you still feel that low, like that loneliness stays there. Um, yeah. But it, it lessens when you find your people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, important I think that's such good advice yeah that's you know that's that's what's really kept me going like having people to talk to and realizing that yeah I feel lonely every day because I don't have my my kid or you know my children in my case but that loneliness won't ever go away but it it helps like you said it helps so much you feel so less lonely whenever you have people to talk to especially people that get it yeah they understand they Mm -hmm. they know what you've been through and I think one of the other big things that helped me was I you know I felt horrible doing this like right after I lost my sons but it helped so much in a way that I can't even like explain but um we talked about trying again but when we were ready we want it. We want to wait until we're ready. Um, but I just felt like I wasn't giving my kids, you know, that that time. It's I just don't know how to explain it. So I'm trying to the best I way think, that I, I can. I think we all get it, actually. I think we all listening completely yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah. So it really helped, you know, thinking, okay, well, when we're ready, you know what? We're going to have a baby. We're going to, you know. Game planning. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. And it, it helped me so much to actually have that plan. Yeah. To, Even if I, it's not a full-on plan. Just like yeah. knowing that there will be a next step. 
Yeah, having yeah. something to look forward to, especially with, you know, trying to have another baby, that was something that was such a hard topic for me anyways because we had been trying for so long and then we found out, you know, that Zach couldn't have kids. So then I felt so angry about it in the beginning, but then I had so much to look forward to once we found our fertility specialist. So after we lost the boys, looking forward to it again was just something great in my Mm -hmm. life. Like it helped me and talking to people, like those were the two biggest things, talking to people and looking forward to the future. Yeah. I've created So so many YouTube videos, like really nailing in the sense of like game planning gives hope. Like having that next step is what will bring you hope. At least for me, that's what brought me hope is just kind of like, even if it was like one tiny little thing, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was like a step forward, it gave me hope that I would get there. And then, you know, another little step forward and it would give me hope that I would get there. And yeah, just so with that being said, like, do you guys know, like, what is your game plan? Have you dug a little bit deeper into it? We have actually. So... I, I waited like a week and called my fertility specialist and I was like, okay, I know I'm not ready right now, but Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. Like, I want to have this little game plan in my head about what we're going to do. So we discussed it, you know, for what felt like years, but it was actually like two weeks. Um, and we decided we would wait three months and talk about it and see where we were. So it's been just a little over a month since everything happened. So we're obviously not there yet, but um, I'm having surgery in June um, on my cervix to, I'm actually getting a pre-pregnancy trans abdominal um, cerclage placed. So basically they just put I don't know, some people get one or two or three bands, um, but it'll permanently close my cervix. So hopefully if that was the only thing that caused us to lose our pregnancy, that'll be fixed. We can carry healthy babies. Um, So that's June 13th. So just looking forward to that surgery gave me so much hope. Like just that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my mom actually said, aren't you nervous? Like, this is a really, you know, invasive procedure. And I said, no, I'm not nervous. This is what I need to do to be able to have another baby. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it gives me hope. Like, once I get this done, I can continue on with our journey. And we actually just yesterday got our official transfer schedule um, for July. We're doing a frozen transfer at the end of July because I'll be all healed from surgery. So it'll be right around um, the three-month mark from when we lost the boys, which is what we were, you know, shooting for. Um, And Zach thought of something really strange. I mean, it's not really strange, but to me it was strange. He said, you know, if, if we do the transfer in July, our you know, if it's successful, our baby will be born right around the boy's birthday. So that I think is really special to us. So I called my fertility specialist after, you know, we figured that out. And I said, we have to do a transfer in July because 
I want their birthday to be near our baby's birthday. Like that's something so special. It'll give us something good to look forward to next year when we are obviously going to be upset. So I'm super excited. Like we have our plan. We have everything set in stone. My medicine should be here on Monday. Like I'm so excited to start basically start over, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Next steps. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm sad Mm -hmm. because I feel like we just lost the babies. So like, are we moving too fast? Like, should we wait? But there's just something in like inside me that says, no, this is where you're supposed to be. And, and it's weird to get in that mindset of like, um, trying to get pregnant when like you should have been pregnant you know yeah yeah it's it's just like a weird concept to like wrap around yeah I should be giving birth in a few months but you know it happened early and I I told Zach I said you know what literally like this is so weird we're if this works we're gonna be pregnant when we should be having the babies like but we're gonna be pregnant with completely you know, new pregnancy, like, so it's kind of been crazy to think about that because, you know, we, we have like the whole nursery, you know, we started buying everything. Cause like, I don't like to wait. So I was like, okay, we're pregnant. We have a good, healthy pregnancy. Let's buy everything. Like <laughs> let's buy the whole store. So we have this whole room full of baby stuff and now I need another baby to put in there. I need a baby to bring home. Mm-hmm. So trying again has, you know, given me hope. And, you know, I'm I'm hopeful. Like, I'm so anxious because I want it to be successful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm so scared that something is going to happen again. Like, you know, going through the miscarriage has been so tough that I don't want to go through it again so I'm a little bit nervous because I feel like you know I'm making myself vulnerable trying again because it could happen but then I you know when I'm when I'm feeling down and feeling stressed out like that I just think okay but think about all these people you know the podcasts and all these people that I've talked to like they tried again they were scared and look what they got out of it. Like, they got mm-hmm. beautiful babies. Yeah. Yeah. And that fear, uh, something I always tell people when they reach out and they're like, how did you How did you get over that? How did you start trying again? And I'm like, in, in my head, I was like, that fear is never going to go away. You know yeah. what I mean? So if I wait six months, if I wait a year, that fear is going to be there no matter yeah. what. And you got to just do it because it, you can wait. Yes. If you feel like you need Mm -hmm. to, and I always give the advice of like, if you feel like you mentally just can't handle it right now, like, yes, wait. But if fear is the only thing stopping you, if fear is what's stopping you, it's always going to be there. So you got to just push through it. Yeah. I think I had that, you know, mindset at the beginning of all of the, like the thought of trying again, I, I said, I don't know if we should like what if something happens? You know, I'm scared. But I just kept thinking, what if something doesn't happen? 
Mm -hmm. you know like what if what if we have a healthy pregnancy and we have our rainbow baby Mm -hmm. so that's really been the the biggest point like okay don't think don't think keep your eyes on the prize yeah something (laughs) something bad could happen but you know something bad couldn't happen like Mm -hmm. something great could happen so yeah and i'm super excited as fucked up as this kind of sounds it's like for me it was always like if something did happen um that is still for me one step closer to it not happening yes yeah you know no, it, I, I that totally sounds get it. so that sounds like so fucked up but like that that's that is how I thought it's like yeah something could happen again but guess what that thing would have happened whenever I started trying again and so that still will bring me one step closer to getting to where I want to be to me becoming a mom so yeah I totally I totally understand that because you know if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and and there's nothing you know that can change that so even if we try again in five years totally could happen then so why wait you know yeah what a weird mindset to be in though, right? Yeah. <laughs> All of these mindsets through this whole thing have just been like, what the hell? Like, like, what are you, how do you even justify having this mindset? <laughs> but it's truly something that only people who have gone through loss understand. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, after, after our miscarriage, I really, really was scared. So I'm a preschool teacher. I work with two-year-olds, um, all day, every day. Like it is so tough. They, they just make me want to pull my hair out. Um, but after all of this happened, I was scared to go back to work. I was scared to be around babies. Um, my sister actually had a baby two days after our transfer. So we had our transfer January 17th and my nephew Cade was born on the 19th so I was super excited about that then and then after my miscarriage I didn't want to be around babies because like I was scared that you know I would either break down or get so angry that I would say something to someone and I was scared to go back to work because we have babies there and we have two-year-olds who are just little babies Um, so seeing my nephew for the first time after was so hard, but he has actually brought so much light to my life, you know, and even though I don't have my babies, I still have him and I, I call him my little baby. Um, and he has really helped me see like you know next year I could have one of these like I could have a little cute baby so once I got over that fear of being around babies and children basically I was super excited again you know I I, like whenever I I spend as much time as I can with my nephew um because it kind of helps remind me like this isn't impossible. Like, you know, this could be in my future. So it, in a weird way, like it helps, like it makes me think 
don't think negative. Just keep going. Like you have a plan, you know, you will get this. You will, you will have all of the things that you want. So spending time with him has really helped. And, um, I thought that I would be resentful towards my sister because, you know, she, she didn't want to have a baby. You know, she was really young whenever she had him. She's younger than I am. So in my head, while I was working up to seeing him and her, I kept telling myself, this is so shitty. This isn't fair. Like, she didn't want a baby. Why does she get a baby? You know, blah, blah, blah. I kept, like, trying to belittle other people who I felt didn't deserve a baby. And... That was a, that was kind of, like, it it smacked me in the face, basically. Like, after I thought that, I said, you know what? It's not my decision to say who can have a baby. You know, don't think negatively about this because, yeah, you're upset that your sister has a baby. But then again, you know, your sister has a baby. Like, you get to cuddle babies, you know? And so once I, like, got that warped thought out of my head I was super excited to see him and it just actually like made it so much more special I hold him so much closer to my heart than I did before because I'm thankful that I have him you know I'm thankful that he helps bring light to my life and I'm so thankful for all my crazy two-year-olds that I have in my class at work um I was nervous to go back to them because they all knew that I was pregnant. They all knew that I had two babies in my belly. And the first day that I was back, which I tried not to take too long off of work because I felt like if I did, then I wouldn't ever go back. So the first day that I was back, you know, they all said, did you have your babies? Did you have your babies? And of course, you know, they're two. So they don't understand So I said, yeah, I did. And they, you know, went to be with Jesus. Um, And so, of course, they all asked me why. And I was like, why Why do you have to ask me these questions? (laughs) Like, I don't know. So, you know, that, that really, like, helped me kind of, like, grow with accepting the fact that you know, they weren't with me anymore. Um, so I just kept telling them, you know, yeah, they went to be with Jesus. Um, I don't have them. And so sometimes occasionally they'll ask me like if they're coming back. So I've had to like twist words and just say, yeah, they'll be back, you know, someday. I don't know when they will be. Yeah. But I didn't think that my two-year-olds would help, you know, push me to want to continue my journey as much as they have. Mm-hmm. Like, they they have so much love for me. And just, like, hearing them talk about my babies has helped. And they're only two. Like, they, you know what? They're, they're like babies still themselves. But just hearing them talk about... Well, my like, babies. They don't have that like awkwardness that adults yeah. get about the situation, you know. Yeah. And so for them to nonchalantly like just 
talk about it and like get you to talk about it is actually probably really healing because adults don't necessarily do that yeah they're super like all the other people that I work with are really awkward about it and they kind of mm-hmm. like they like tiptoe around almost like me. don't want to bring it up and, yeah yeah the, mm-hmm. and me personally I don't beat around the bush like I'm like the most blunt person I know and all my friends and everybody says that also so like when they tiptoe around me and they don't want to hurt my feelings like it makes me feel worse yeah so my little two-year-olds that don't tiptoe around my feelings they just smack me in the face with it (laughs) they help like it helps push me you know I get to like they know my baby's names and and they talk about them so hearing that five days a week has really really helped so I'm I'm very thankful yeah. for all my my little spawns. <laughs> <laughs> they can be rough some days, but they've really like they they help me every single day with my healing. And I didn't think that that was possible. I didn't yeah. didn't expect it. And so I'm I'm just That's like in a good place. And awesome. I know that when this happens, you know, you think. I'm never going to get back to that place. Like, I'm never going to get in a good place again. I'm I'm stuck here. Like, there's nothing to look forward to. There's no reason to go back to a good place. And I, I think I found, like, the smallest things that seem so insignificant have had the biggest impact on me personally, you know. So it's, you know, so possible. It's possible to get back to a happy place to get back to a better place I feel like I'm in a better place now than I was before we even tried the first time because mm-hmm. I have the ex- I don't want to say experience because like no one wants to experience it but like I felt that pain of losing my babies and it makes me want to be you know that much more cautious it makes me want to be a mom that much more Mm -hmm. and it's I don't know it's really helped me grow within myself yeah for sure it's great I always say like one one thing that I'm like extremely grateful for is getting pregnant although I lost pregnancies made me realize how much I wanted it yeah yeah that's that's kind of how I feel right now. Like I've always wanted to be pregnant. I've always wanted to be a mom because I had a bad childhood, but going through it has made me want to be a mom so much more than I did in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so excited that I still have the chance to be a mom. So looking forward, like that's like, the prize at the end, you know, like that's, that's what I want. And that's what will make it all worth it. Yeah. I'm not going (laughs) to, yeah, I'm not going to stop until I get it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you just got to keep pushing and just take the hits because they're going to keep coming, Mm. but and you can take them great. Yeah. And And you can, everybody that thinks they can't, you know, everybody thinks miscarriage is, you know, going to stop your life and it's Mm -hmm. never going to, you know, it's never going to be the same. It's not going to be the same, but that doesn't mean that it can't be better. 
and mm-hmm. that's that's how I feel and that's what I want everyone else that's going through this going to go through it that has been through it like I want them to know you're not alone you know yeah it sucks but you can do so many other things you know like push forward just keep going don't stop because once you stop that's it like Mm -hmm. don't stop just keep going Mm -hmm. absolutely well thank you so much summer if you had one piece of advice I feel like you already threw a bunch out, but (laughs) like the one big piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, I think the biggest thing is no matter how much you want to, don't blame yourself. Don't think it's your fault because it's not. Mm -hmm. And just don't do that to yourself. And if you feel like you're going to do that, reach out to someone. Yeah. Because there's so many people that can help you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much and good luck with everything. Thank you. Keep thank me you. posted, okay? Oh, I, I wanna, will. I want to know what's going on. I will. <laughs> yes, I will keep you updated. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.